Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to Off the Bench. You guys have found me at my little corner of the internet. Today, I'm going to tackle a listener question that deals with the topic of feminism. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So I'm glad you guys have joined me. I hope you're having a great summer. The summer is rapidly coming to an end and the Homeschool Resource Center is humming around here as we're getting ready to start classes in the month of September. I'm always amazed how quickly the summer goes by. Hope you guys have made the most of it. And we're really looking forward to a lot of things at MomStrong International coming up for the fall. So if you have not become a member of MomStrong International, I want to encourage you to do it. We are tackling the issues of the culture Every single month there through the lens of God's word. We want you to be able to uh, be a student of the word, to be able to rightly divide God's word, to be able to look at what's happening around you. And rather than have to listen to the voice of a person, be able to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit as you interpret the word of God, because it was given to you to offer direction and reproof and correction and training in righteousness. And so that's what we're doing at MomStrong International. We also have a component there called KidStrong which helps those of you who have young children, especially at home, uh, take what you're learning and pass it on to your children. So check it out, momstronginternational.com. This is the time of year that we typically uh, get the fall studies underway. And this is a great time for you to join that subscription-based Bible study. All right, I got a letter a couple of weeks ago from a young woman who basically is angry that she's a woman. And I got to thinking as I read her letter, well, I'll read it to you in just a second, but I got to thinking as I read her letter that largely what we see happen in the modern feminism movement, uh, this young woman is a result of that, right? So we have turned ourselves into victims in every single way. We love our victim mentality, whether it's we're victims because of the color of our skin or we're victims because of our DNA or we're just Uh, victims personally, or we just have a victim mentality. This is largely coming from the culture right now. And I reject that on its face. So here's her letter. Dear Heidi, I'm writing to you today as a young woman who is absolutely appalled at the way that women are treated in the United States. Is there any indication in scripture that God values women? All right. So this is a great place to start because this is where we always want to start. Does God value women? Well, the answer to that is absolutely. And in fact, I was reading a couple of verses that I was uh, looking up right before uh, I started recording, just looking at at instances where Jesus had opportunity to honor women, women throughout scripture, hold places of authority. Remember, uh, Deborah was a judge over Israel. You can read her story in the book of Judges. Jesus made a point to meet with the Samaritan woman at the well. Remember, uh, the Bible states uh, in John chapter four, verse four, John said that Jesus had to go through Samaria. But this wasn't an accidental meeting, because if you look at the historical context of the story, you'll see that most Jews avoided Samaria altogether. And so this is where the story of the Good Samaritan comes in. The Jews had a, had a disdain for the people in Samaria. Jesus went out of his way to meet with the Samaritan woman at the well. Now you ask, well, why, why is that? Well, the Samaritans were half Jews. They were considered uh, outcasts. And if you add another layer of significance to Jesus' interaction with this woman, men did not usually meet with women in public settings Back in that time in Jewish history, uh, they were considered second class citizens. And when the disciples returned, John wrote that they were, quote, surprised 
to find Jesus talking with a woman. That comes straight out of John chapter four, verse 27. All through the Bible, you're gonna see that Jesus had a heart for everyone. Uh, let me read John four twenty-seven to you. It says, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find Jesus talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Important to note that after Jesus met with this woman, it became very apparent that he didn't care about social etiquette. He didn't care about the opinions of other people. He was interested in what was happening in the heart of this woman. He knew that he alone had the answer that she was looking for. And so after Jesus met with the woman, the Bible records that she is transformed. She not only believes that Jesus is the Messiah, but she goes and tells her entire village. Many believed because of her testimony. And it's all because Jesus made a point to meet with her. There's an awesome article at iBelieve.com. I'm going to link back to it in the show notes today. And they're listing some of the ways that Jesus uh, honored women. In John chapter 8, verse 5, when the Jews brought a woman who was caught in adultery before Jesus, they wanted to stone her. And they also wanted to test Jesus and have a reason to accuse him. But instead of falling into their trap, Jesus turned the tables. He asked them not to look at the woman, but to look at themselves. Were they without sin? Remember, Jesus said, let he who's without sin cast the first stone. And not one of them could say that they were without sin. And so one by one, they left until it was only Jesus and the woman. And Jesus didn't tell her to continue living the same life, but rather to leave her life of sin. He also told her that a crucial element of her future story was this. He did not condemn her. In John chapter eight, verse 11, he said, neither do I condemn you. He said, go and leave your life of sin. Now, to others, this woman's life wasn't worth saving. It was worthless because of her past choices. But Jesus didn't look at her past. He looked at a redeemed future. He did not defend her sin, but instead he looked at a destiny that was covered by grace and chose to defend what was his. And this woman's life was never the same. I had an interaction with a, a young person on social media the other day who had said to me that, because uh, I was talking about me not not part I will not participate in this whole pronoun nonsense. It's it's stupid. It's stupid on its face. We're using plural pronouns for people who don't want to be a he or a she, so now we're supposed to call a single person they. No, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do that in the same way that I'm not going to uh, talk to a schizophrenics, imaginary friends, right? This is an imaginary thing, it is being made up, and I just will not participate in it. And someone said to me, Well, Heidi, what would Jesus do? And I said, Jesus would tell the truth. He would look at at anyone who's choosing to say that they are a member of the sex that they are not and declare the truth to them. I may do male and female in my image. Jesus did this with the woman at the well. He didn't look uh, He didn't look past her sin. He simply saw her as redeemed. He didn't choose to defend what he knew was wrong, but he saw that this woman's life had value and he loved her. He didn't defend her sin. He didn't encourage her in it. Instead, he, was, he, he uh, encouraged her by showing her how he loved her. And that's what we do. We've been sacrificing truth on the altar of a misguided mercy in this country for a very long time. And frankly, the feminist movement is a very clear indicator of something that we've been doing for a long time. I looked to gotquestions.org. There's several really great examples that I found on the internet um, from trusted sources. There's a lot of garbage out there, obviously, about feminism. But as usual, gotquestions.org addresses it. I'm going to read just a little bit of this to you. They said that you you, ha- you can't enter in a conversation about feminism without talking about what it is. And the reason for that is 
this term, I think, has different meanings for different people. So feminism that started years and years ago when women's suffrage began and the women were marching for the right to vote, they literally were marching to have equal rights with with men. They wanted to be able to vote. They wanted to be able to own a business. They wanted to be able to be seen as something other than a second-class citizen. And Jesus, in talking to the Samaritan woman, set the tone in scripture for how women should be treated a long time ago. So first we need to define uh, feminism. Basically, it's a philosophy that advocates equal rights for women and for men, socially, politically, economically, and in other ways. Early feminists fought for and won suffrage for women, in other words, the right to vote. Today's feminism, however, goes further than demanding equal treatment of men and women. So modern feminists are fighting for abortion on demand, language equality. In other words, they want to say chairperson instead of chairman because somehow that's offensive. And then blurring gender lines. The more radical feminists actively seek to overthrow any vestige of male dominance in society. They oppose biblical roles of husbands and wives and they and they promote homosexuality. Radical feminists deny that there's any difference between men and women teaching that any perceived differences between the sexes are due solely to social conditioning. There's a very interesting article that I posted over at my main Facebook page the other day, an article from Time Magazine from the 1980s talking about the differences between boys and girls, which are innate. They're actually in, ask any any parent who's raised a sons and daughters. There's very big differences between male and female, and that is by design. The modern feminist movement is a counterfeit solution to the real issue of inequality of women in a sinful society. So feminism is demanding that they receive something that they actually, in effect, should never have been given in the first place. It's arrogance at the height of it, and it's really a lack of understanding of creation at the root of it. And so the modern militant feminists call women to rise up and rebel against the order that God has created. This is my big problem with the transgender movement. The same thing going against when you boil it all down, what are we doing? We are going against the created order that God made. And anytime we do that, suffering will be the sure result. So what then should we respond? How should we respond as Christians? Well, a Christian woman who is seeking to obey God and walk in peace and grace should remember that she has access to all of the spiritual blessings in Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. This is the Apostle Paul in Galatians 3.28. A Christian woman should not allow herself to be used as a pawn in a worldly agenda of the feminist movement. And I believe that what we have done was we've basically made ourselves miserable, right? I said this many years ago when the Women's March started in Washington, D.C. I said, wow, that the Women's March was an embarrassment to me. I was so appalled to see what these women were marching for. And they did not represent me as a modern woman or as a wife or as a mother. And so I reject the modern feminist movement. And I believe that what God says in his word about women actually is a better representation of who we are. We are loved. We are different than men. And I say, viva la difference. Let's look at why those differences were given to us and let's embrace them. There is a a real blessing in embracing the roles of male and female as God lays them out in his word. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So while I was studying this issue, just kind of getting ready to talk to you guys about it today, I came across another article that I think is worthy of sharing some of it with you. And I came across a book by Dr. Tony Grant, uh, and she wrote a book called Being a Woman. And this is what she said at the very beginning. At its inception, the feminist movement accompanied by the sexual revolution made a series of enticing, exciting promises to women. Does that sound like any anything else that you guys have ever heard of? Can you see a snake in a garden? Did God really say, right? It's the same basic premise. These promises sounded good. So good, in fact, that many women deserted their men and their children and rejected the entire notion of marriage and family in pursuit of themselves and a career. These pursuits, which emphasize self-sufficiency and individualism, were supposed to enhance a woman's quality of life and improve her options, as well as her relations with men. And now, decades later, Women have had to face the fact that, in fact, in many ways, feminism and liberation made promises that could not be delivered. And so she goes through 10 lies of feminism. I'm not going to read all 10 to you. I'll link back to this article in the show notes today. But I wanted to read some that I thought really resonated with me. The first one is lie number one. Women can have it all. Uh, The first lie is that women can have it all. We were fed the illusion that as women being the superior sex have an inexhaustible supply of physical and emotional energy that enable us to juggle a career, family, friendships, and volunteer service. Proponents of feminism declared that not only can women do what men do, but we ought to do what men do. And since men can't do what women do, which is have babies, that put a double burden on women. And if you guys are noticing as this conversation now is shifting even farther to the left, because this is a leftist idea, now you're seeing the transgender movement say, absolutely, men can have babies, which is absurd. And we're listening to people on the floor of the House of Representatives and a sitting Supreme Court Justice, Katanji Brown Jackson, say that she cannot define anymore what a woman is. This is the result of modern feminism, which has been lying to women since it decided that it wasn't enough for us to be able to vote, to be able to work, to be able to ask for equal pay for equal work, to be able to own our own businesses, it wasn't enough. Now we actually want to be men. And so what are we seeing uh, as a result? We're watching men get into women's sports and saying that they are now women. We're watching uh, we're watching women who want to be men say that they're pregnant, which is, it's just, the whole thing is completely insane. And scripture presents a very different picture For men and women, the Bible makes a distinction between the gender's primary energies. Listen to this. The commands to women are generally in the realm of relationships, which is consistent with the way that God made women to be primarily relational, being sensitive to others and usually valuing people above things. Scripture never forbids women to be gainfully employed. And in fact, the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31 is engaged in several part-time business ventures in real estate and in manufacturing. Nonetheless, it is the excellent care of her husband, her children, and her home and her community that inspires the praise she is due. Titus 2 instructs older women to mentor younger women and to teach them to care for their husbands and their children 
and homemaking responsibilities, the God-given strengths of a woman were to bring glory to God through the differences that she exhibited from her male counterparts. Lie number two, men and women are fundamentally the same. Now, keep in mind, this article, I think, is from 2012. And so they're not even thinking that there's going to be such a thing as transgenderism because they start off by saying, apart from some minor biological differences, feminism strongly suggested that males and females are fundamentally the same. Culture, it announced, was responsible for turning human blank slates into truck-wielding boys and doll-toting girls. This lie has been very effective at changing the culture. My husband Ray and I offer a seminar at Probe's Mind Games conferences called Guys Are From Mars, Girls Are From Venus, where we go over the major differences between the sexes. Men, for instance, tend to be more goal-oriented and competitive, where women are more relational. Men are active, women are verbal. This is intuitively obvious to the adults in our audience, but is often news to high school and college students. We find adults nodding with smiles of recognition, some of them nudging each other in the ribs. But the younger members of the audience, we can see the lights come on in their eyes as they are exposed to something that is obvious and that they probably already knew was true, but feminism's worldview has been feeding them a lie. And this is happening through our through our uh, our universities. This is happening in our high schools right now, feeding our kids the lie that men and women are exactly the same. And we heard it, you know, anything uh, men can do, I can do better, right? Instead of embracing the differences and the and the truth being that God created us different, uh, males and females are different, we are trying to be the same and we're injuring each other and we're making ourselves miserable. Lie number three, desirability is enhanced by achievement. I thought this was really interesting. The third lie of feminism is that the more a woman achieves, the more attractive and desirable she becomes to men. The importance of achievement to a man's sense of self, an element of masculinity, that is, we believe God-given was projected onto women. Feminism declared that achieving something, making a mark in the world, was the only measure of success that merited the respect of others. Women who believed this myth found themselves competing with men. Now, competition is appropriate in the business and professional world, but it's disastrous in relationships. Boy, that is absolutely true. Lie number five, sexual sameness. The fifth lie of feminism is that men and women are the same sexually. This lie comes to us courtesy of the same evil source that brought us the lies of the sexual revolution. The truth is that women can't separate sex from love as easily as men can. For women, sex needs to be an expression of love and commitment. Without these qualities, sex is demeaning, nothing more than hormones going crazy. The cost of sex is far greater for women than for men. Sex outside of a committed, loving relationship, and we're talking about marriage, right? Because that's what that's what God says it's designed for, often results in an unplanned pregnancy, sexually transmitted diseases, and profound heartbreak. Every time a woman gives her body away to a man, she gives a part of her heart as well. Sexual, quote, freedom has brought new degrees of heartache to millions of women. The lie of sexual equality has produced widespread promiscuity and epidemic disease. No wonder so many women are struggling with self-esteem. Uh, lie number six, and, the, and I don't have time to go through all of them today, but these are so good. The lie, the denial of maternity. Uh, the, the Many women postpone marriage and childbearing to pursue their own personal development and career goals. This perspective denies the reality of a woman's reproductive system and the limitations of time. Childbearing is easier in a woman's 20s and 30s than it is in her 40s. Plus, there is a physical cost. 
Science has borne out the liabilities that older women incur for themselves and their babies. Midlife women are more prone to having problems getting pregnant, staying pregnant, and experiencing difficult deliveries. So the problem isn't having a career. The problem is when a woman gets her priorities out of balance. And this is a question that sometimes comes to me here at the podcast. You know, people will ask me about, it's very obvious that I'm a working mother, right? And I've raised seven children. But there were many, many years when I was uh, not podcasting or writing books and I was maybe selling Tupperware, trying to help make ends meet at our home. The most wonderful years of my life was as a young woman in my 20s and 30s and my early 40s raising children. And it didn't stop me from pursuing the things that God put in my life, gifts or dreams or abilities. In fact, it just enhanced them because now as a woman in my 50s, I've got children in their 20s who I enjoy being with. My husband and I have relationships with our children and with their spouses. And we put that time into those relationships when we were younger. And I think the modern feminist movement is absolutely robbing our, especially our young women, of the uh, of the the time that we would normally be put in, into starting and raising a family. And it really is making men and women miserable. And so it goes back to what does God say? Who does God say that we are? The differences between men and women are wonderful and they should be celebrated. And as I've said to you many times before, I believe that the longer we we see men as, you know, the longer women see men as the enemy instead of the beautiful uh, different creations that they are, and the longer we try to be in competition with them rather than embrace the beautiful, the gift that we've been given that is femininity. Uh, I embrace my femininity. I hope that my husband thinks I'm beautiful every day of his life. I spend a lot of time uh, just trying to get gain the affection of that of that boy that I love so much and have loved for many, many years. And I think what I've seen in the modern feminist movement, rather than being thankful for the early feminist movement, which really did bring something that was necessary, right? The women's suffrage movement. There's a wonderful movie, uh, a couple of them actually, out on uh, the early feminist movement, which was mostly about the right to vote. Women wanted to be, they wanted their voices to be heard. That was necessary. These were good things. They wanted to be able to uh, own their own businesses. These were good things, but we have moved so far beyond that. And now we are embracing lies. We are hurting young women we are uh, encouraging women to postpone having children and starting their families until they're uh, much older. And I'm telling you what right now, you guys, look, do a study. And in fact, we're going to do this at MomStrong International at some point uh, in the next year of our studies. Do a study on what God says about the role of women. A lot of people think, well, uh, the Bible is um, harsh towards women, but if you actually study Jesus' heart towards women, you will find that that is actually a lie, like so many other lies that have been foisted on women who've tried to make us see ourselves as victims rather than loved and unique creations of the living God. So I'm going to link back to several other articles that I saw uh, that I don't have time to go over with you today and uh, some books that I think would be really good for you to read, especially uh, moms, if you've got young daughters who are struggling with this. The culture is doing a very good job at making us see ourselves as victims rather than victors and as, uh, and as women in the culture today, particularly here in Western civilization, this is not true in, in uh, many of the Eastern countries. It's certainly not true in Iran. There are lots of countries that still absolutely subjugate women and injure them by virtue of the fact that they are women. And that is absolutely wrong. But in the United States and in most Western cultures, that is not the case. We are making up 
injuries that don't exist. And what happens when we do that is we wind up living as victims and we wind up becoming victims to the injuries that we create. And so I just want to encourage you to see yourself the way that God sees you and to embrace being a woman, embrace being a man, embrace the differences because the differences are beautiful. I hope you guys have been encouraged today and don't forget to check out the show notes. I'll link back to these articles and a couple of videos that I thought were excellent, including one from Prager University in the show notes today. Have a great day, everybody. Don't forget to leave reviews for the show and turn in your questions to me at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash Mailbox Monday. Have a great day, everybody. And I will see you back here tomorrow with my friend, Dr. Kathy Cook at the intersection of faith and culture.